0: Welcome to Beyond the Pulpit with Andy Thompson. Beyond the Pulpit is a podcast that shows Andy Thompson in a different light. He talks with different
1: guests every week about how he overcame real-life challenges all of us can relate to.
0: If you want to support the Beyond the Pulpit podcast, head over to www.pastorandy.com podcast for more information. What's going on? How you doing? I know that I was doing lives relatively consistently, and then I just, you know, decided to take a a live break. But now I'm back with a new track, "Fat and Swinging." That's what I'm doing. I'm 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 rolling with the homies, and uh, it's Monday night, Atlanta, Georgia. What's going on? And uh, just shout outs to everybody. Hey, 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 hey. And uh, I am uh going to answer some some serious questions today i am and i'm just waiting for my producers and uh and uh, my managers and my controllers and my uh, puppeteers to let me know Zebulon, north carolina that's amazing i'm glad you even have internet access welcome to the show welcome to instagram welcome to uh louisiana come on now you know y'all ain't got no internets out there, but I'm so glad that you've got your megabytes and you're all ready to, to be a part of this wonderful uh, uh, episode of Beyond the Pulpit. Just letting everybody, Nightdale, get out of here. Come on now. You know you ain't got no internets over there, no Nightdale. You're looking for your pump for your water. And uh, I'm looking to see if there's anybody joining from Flint, Michigan. Working in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne, let's go. Fort Wayne. Somebody said, Pastor Andy's off the chain because I'm talking to somebody in Fort Wayne. Now, you know, if you're in a place called Fort Wayne, you better be ready to fight. And uh, so, hey, come on, let's go on. Jump on on here. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Tell somebody that Andy Thompson is going live beyond the pulpit. My mic sounds nice, check one. Yo, that's my man, Joseph Stein from Accra, Ghana. What's going on, Stein? How you doing, buddy? We about to jump into this thing really quickly. Did somebody just say they're from Michigan somewhere? Hold on, let me look at that. Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, don't count. That ain't no Flint. I want somebody from Flint with the water. Memphis, Tennessee. What's going on, Memphis? Serious barbecue there. Did we go live on YouTube yet? We are live on YouTube. Okay to everybody from the youtube world to everybody from instagram live this is beyond the pulpit andy thompson so excited that you're here with us tonight i just want to let it warm up and folk are on their way on and on their way in and there's something in my mind i wanted to talk about really quickly before i start answering questions and uh certainly instagram live i'll answer some questions in long island new york here we go and uh And I've got a bunch of questions and even uh, are we going to do a call in? Maybe we may take a call in. We'll see how people are feeling on a Monday night. And uh, you know when I was in college and I was a Flint in the house. There they go. There's somebody from Flint. You go ahead, drink your bottle of water and let's get into this thing. And so when I was in college, I was a psych minor for quite a bit. And there was a big debate that we used to have, which was kind of the discussion about the difference between nature versus nurture. And nature is what you get as a result of your DNA, and nurture is what you get as a result of your environment. And that was the ultimate question. And I mean, we're talking about now I was in college, so we're talking about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, we're talking about forever ago, 30 years ago. My God, help us, Holy Ghost. So I, but at the time, I think that the idea was that nurture was even more important than nature. There was this kind of idea that, it, that your environment mattered more than the nature. That you actually came from, and there was this movie that came out back, 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 back in the day called Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. And uh, I don't know if you ever heard that movie, but Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, and the, the 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 essence of the movie was that these the two guys, the rich men, had a bet as to see if we took Dan Aykroyd and put him in Eddie Murphy's position, if we took Eddie Murphy, this black man, and put him in as CEO of the company, if we switched them. What would happen? One of them believed that the, the man by his... With all the internets we have, here I am the cracking on everybody's internets. Sorry, everyone. And, and, my and, fault. He, and your phone <laughs> is struggling with the internets. Well, you might as well, uh, well
1: say who it is as you're calling me out.
0: Uh, oh, it's my daughter's phone. My, my phone got cracked, <laughs> so my screen... But back to my point. Sorry. My point is, is that the idea was that, and even I remember when I was in college. You know, we read well. We didn't read it, but Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the Ape Man. It's kind of the idea that that's what you get for picking on Zebulon. I hear you. <laughs> that that the idea was that oh my gosh, here's this 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 little boy, and he's born in in Africa. You know, born there, and and somehow becomes king of the jungle as a result of his nature not his nurture. Um, And I think that now we're, I think we're at a point now in which we're understanding that it's a combination of both. It is definitely your, your nurture, your environment is a huge factor, but just as much it's the seed that you come from in the same way. I think that people ask me often about success. I'm reading a lot of articles about success and how do people find success and are people successful just as a result of gifting or are they successful as a result of the, the environment that they're in? And I really, much like the nature and nurture debate, I do think that it is a serious combination of both. I do think that it's absolutely possible to rise from loser people and become a winner. It's absolutely possible for that to take place. Um, it's absolutely possible for you to come from people that didn't have money and didn't have anything and was was lacking in education. And for you to decide, yeah, but you know what? Not me. I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to be successful and break the mold of whatever the pattern of my entire family has been. That's something I'm going to do. Absolutely. It's possible for you to do that. At the same time, the, the nurture of your environment or the opportunities that you're given. Um, the person that has more is given, and so you know, as as great as it is to believe in in nature, as great as it is to believe in talent, as great as it is to believe in gifting. I think one of the mistakes that we make is that we underestimate the value of the Head Start. We underestimate the value of standing on someone else's shoulders. We underestimate the value of having people in your corner that want to back you. We underestimate the value of having good mentors and having people that believe in you and good support. We underestimate the value of having a good team around you. Um, All of those things are significant factors. We underestimate the value of a relationship with your father. Um, We underestimate the value of a relationship with a father even if he's not your father whenever i listen to Shaquille O'Neal talk it's always like he's uh, who he's talking about is his stepfather his stepfather made him and so even though that man wasn't his father his stepfather w- w- played a significant role and when you look at who Shaquille O'Neal is post basketball it is definitely uh, impacted by who his father his who he calls his father his stepfather made him to be and so sure being being born and then ended up being 7'3 and, and quick and skilled with either hand, that's a gift, that's a talent, but it comes without repentance. But there's a work ethic that goes along with that, sure, and that's a part of what made him successful. But when we look at him beyond basketball, the 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 things that were placed in him by the people around him definitely are a factor in who he was when it comes to success. And I think that... When we talk about success, we have a tendency to talk about it in a vacuum, not acknowledging that your community plays a significant role in your ability to be successful. Even when it comes to defining who you are or what it means to even have success or what it means to even be a, 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 not just alive, but someone that really does uh, contribute to culture and society. That definition is based on who made that definition for you. What does it mean to win? If you're the only one that comes up with that goal, then I don't even know if you really will win Unless somebody says what willing is, what winning is to you, and who defined that for you, and who defined how you would get there, that's a significant factor with being successful. And I think that unfortunately, mo- mo- uh, many most most of the young people that are talking about success are talking about success based on what they see in this, this what this seems like as success, versus having a generational perspective of what it meant to be successful. Um, in life and you know my daughter's going to be asking me questions tonight and and when my daughter and I are having conversations about about her career and success and in my sons um I'm not allowing them to be the only people that define what success is I'm like sure that that you may think oh my god I got a million followers that's success but uh, what does it profit you to have a million followers and you can't sleep at night What does it profit you to to have a a million dollars in the bank and you need a doctor to put you to sleep or you have no one that you care about or you have no peace inside or you have no real feeling of self? And so unfortunately, most of the people that are talking about success are talking about how to get to a success that they have defined as success. And that's why it's so hard to attain it because they set what it meant to be successful. So since they set what success meant, now it's almost hard to ask how to get success, how to get successful, because success has become so ambiguous um, and and so controlled by media or so controlled by uh, the opinion of this particular generation. And so, I think the beginning of success is actually allowing ourselves to be impacted by people who are successful, um, not just who we see in a picture. But for us to really say, "Wow, now that person is winning in that particular world," and to be able to follow that particular person, um, I was talking to um, one of the guys who, you know, is, is, is travels with me some, and he was a football player, and we were talking about the fact that the way to be successful as a football player is you take your talent, your skill, your ability, your gifting and then you're drafted in the NFL, the best thing you can ever do is get on a team with some good serious veterans that have had some good serious careers cuz they're going to they're going to immediately define success for you and define what it means to be successful and how to get there. Beyond just you being quick, beyond you just being strong, beyond you just you being fast, what are the habits that lead to success? And those habits are are the factor. They are they are the they are the the key, big big time de- deciding factor in whether or not you're successful. I was reading an article today. I, maybe I saw a video on TikTok or something that was saying if you take a plane that's about to leave New York, and it's traveling to L.A. Okay, if you shift that plane three inches in New York, okay, and if it leaves New York and fly straight along that same trajectory and without making any adjustments, it will land in Tijuana, Mexico. Just three inches from the beginning can significantly impact where you end up at the end. And I think that that who sets you in the beginning, those six, first six, seven years of your life is when your personality is set, who poured into you, who made you you, uh, who, who defined what it meant to, for behavior to you, Those things are so important to who you end up being um, that we can't talk about success without talking about how you were parented and how you were taught and who raised you. And those are all factors. And it's like, we're just all of a sudden somebody just wakes up at 17 and decides, oh, I want to be successful. And I'm not saying you can't, but you may have to sit down with somebody and go all the way back and look at things that you were taught when you were six and you may have to recalibrate from off of that and realize at six years old, somebody pointed you to Tijuana. <laughs> and if you're not going to get to L.A., you're going to have to make an adjustment in your flight plan um, for you to actually get to success. Um, so anyway, that's awesome. That's my first little rant for the night. You ready to jump into this thing? You got some questions for me? I mean, you know, we got some folk on and and yeah. uh, so I'm ready to get down to it. Yeah, so I'm up tonight, you know. You I You are you're I, like, I took a nap. I'm popping, I'm you're
1: like all the pizzazz, you all know the energy.
0: Woo my juice.
1: You're loving it. Um I I like how you were talking about being raised and how you were being raised and there was a question that we got actually, um, kind of on the other end of it where uh I call her the millennial mom. She says that she's a young mom struggling with her four year old and she tries her best to gently reprimand him but nothing she does seems to work any tips on discipline tactics because she's starting to be concerned about raising him wrong but wants to still have a good relationship as he gets older so
0: it's really great that you asked me this question i was watching a tiktok earlier today and you know i almost wanted to uh What's that thing where you kind of connect with it or stitch, it. stitch with it? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to stitch with it so badly. But I knew I, was, next time. I knew I was doing this tonight. And I was just okay. like, oh, maybe I can talk about it tonight. Because I think there's again, right? there's a goal that parents have. And it's seen from this particular woman that was talking that a part of her end goal was getting to a place with your child where you have a really great relationship with them later on. Hmm. And I think that this is. This is a this is a thought and a care that to me I'm sorry I don't mean to sound overly judgmental but it is it is so impacted by women being asked to raise children all by themselves. It's just it's why the father's involvement whether you're together or not is so important because it's like if you I don't know if the goal of my parents was for us to have an amazing relationship when mm. I was an adult. Right. I don't know if that was their goal. I right. think it was something that, it I, maybe they hoped it would happen. I don't know. I think the main thing that they were thinking about is do we know how to behave? Do we know how to act right? Can we get to school and sit still? Can we do what we're called? Whether you like them or not, whether or not- but Can
1: you be an actual, like, full grown human in society can you be will you be able to contribute can you
0: fit within the culture i don't necessarily know if my parents or my grandparents were trying to raise people to be their friends later on you know i think that um there's a there's a a concept right now around parenting that has to do with acknowledging their feelings and so let me answer the question really quickly I mean first of all you know infancy and child development was you know my concentration when it came to psychology and you need to understand that a child is not even fully developed in their personality until they're six or seven years old so you're talking about somebody four and trying to acknowledge the feelings of somebody four is like. You, you need to understand that memories from when you're four years old, I wouldn't even take a child to Disney world who wasn't at least seven years old because there's the things that you really remember from when you were four are maybe are very traumatic things. And you even will need to meet with a psychiatrist or a psychiatrist to really dig down into stuff that happened before six years old. And so it's like, we're trying to acknowledge the feelings of somebody who hasn't quite navigated what feelings really are about and they still haven't even really figured out. And even beyond seven, I mean, they're even saying now that your brain, the male brain isn't even fully developed until you're 27 years old. So you got somebody four years old and you're you're trying to allow your behavior with them to be ruled by the acknowledgement of their feelings but their feelings are extremely immature and their feelings are still being shaped by you defining what their feelings are about. Um, you, 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 have to, um, you have to make somebody for feel right about right things, <laughs> okay? Right now, if you were raised properly, then you feel right about brushing your teeth, you feel right about eating vegetables, you feel right about going to bed, you feel right about doing your work, you feel right about doing things that you don't necessarily feel like doing. I don't know if we can always acknowledge the feelings of somebody four years old, um, but it's almost like that's how the parenting is is being shaped in this way. And it's new thought. And I think that we need to be careful about um, too much new thought that hasn't been proven um, with real results, um, so here's my acid test. This is, this is kind of what I've said to people I, when it comes to parenting. I've said that ignorance requires instruction. Rebellion requires discipline. Good. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion needs discipline. It is wrong to discipline ignorance. And it's wrong to instruct rebellion. (laughs) So if I say, come here, and I can tell that you know what I mean, okay? If I say, go clean your room, this woman was kind of like, oh, go clean your room. And then if you come by and the room's not being cleaned or straightened up or they're not picking their toys up, now it's almost like, well, let's have a conversation in which I now have some kind of instruction thing in which I'm going to acknowledge your feelings. And the truth of the matter is that you're just dealing with rebellion in that particular point. It's absolutely possible for your child's will. Your child's will gets turned on before they're even fully formed in their cerebral cortex. Their will is turned on early. So they're they're just a bundle of knees. They're a bundle of yell. There you babies start bucking on you when they're six months old and seven months old they their will starts to come out they while you're trying to change them they're halfway fighting you and you're like I they don't have the cerebral ability to know that they need to be changed and then to sit still and they need to keep so it's like their will is already on and you're battling against their will to stay in their own bed their will To sleep all night they you know better than them that they need to sleep I think the challenge for most people is that they start this process too late now I know you're someone asked me this question who's got somebody that's almost four you got to get on it when they're four but it really does start for everybody that's listening and planning on having a baby this thing starts at six months old when they're six months old that's when you have to start being aware of their will and understanding that it's not their will, but it's your will. Right now, you're dealing with somebody four, you're struggling with their will. You're not dealing with whether or not they know what you mean or not. You're not dealing with their ignorance. You're not, This not that that four-year-old don't know what you're saying. It's that that four-year-old has a will, and that four-year-old has decided that they wanna do what they wanna do, and they don't wanna do what you want them to do. And so now, you're being told to instruct their rebellion and unfortunately, rebellion can't be instructed, it's got to be disciplined. Yeah. And just as it's wrong to discipline ignorance, sure, they're for, they're running, they're playing, they're discovering, they're trying to figure stuff out. But if this is the 50th time you said, don't leave me when you're with me, and they want to run off, they, you, what you're dealing with is rebellion. Now, for everyone that wants to say, well, we're going to do it new and you can't. Well, the problem with that is you're going to teach your child a very wrong lesson because the truth of the matter is that if you are rebellious enough, you will be disciplined. Yep. That's a fact. It's a fact. If you are driving down the road and a cop flashes their lights behind you, if you do not pull over, they will discipline you. They're not waiting for you to feel it. They're not. They don't care about. Yeah. They really don't even care. They're. They're like you know what these flashing lights mean. Now, when they, you could say, I don't know what it meant, but you can't get your license if you didn't. No, no, no. You know what I meant. So, if you do not teach your child a certain amount of discipline they won't be able to function with a group. And this is the issue. It is the ultimate issue that we're dealing with. It's kind of the freedom and rights of the individual versus the disciplined requirements to function within normal society. And if we don't discipline our children, then we will not teach them how to function in the world. Let me tell you why you're having such a hard time with your child and disciplining. It's because you don't realize that it is absolutely possible to be schizophrenic with your child.
1: I can't wait for this. (laughs) It
0: is absolutely possible. Understand Mm -hmm. if you're a mom if you're a dad too but definitely if you're a mom you can have two personalities and your child will be absolutely okay with it yeah so you can have a personality that is a drill sergeant that is like what did i say sit down don't make me tell you again and two minutes later be like want some cherries it is absolutely possible for you to be like, oh, I love you. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Okay, time to go to bed. All right, good night. I said go to bed. It is it is absolutely possible for you to grow up with a mom that you're like, oh, my mother loved me and she fed me and she took care of me and she cared for me, but she was also just a little bit crazy. Like she you had some fear there. I am a <laughs> I was, I love my mom but was totally terrified in the same. And if your mother is, if you're good and you're healthy and you're normal and you're mature, then you won't hold your child. So my mother could spank me. And then afterwards, when I came in, she'd be like, hey, you ready to eat? Yeah. <laughs> and when I came in, I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. She's over it. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm ready to eat. Okay, what do you want? You want some chicken? You want some? And she just would feed me and you want dessert? And, yeah, I want dessert. And she'd give me ice cream and okay, oh. good night. <laughs> it was over. Right. <laughs> so I learned that she has a line that, oh my gosh, she's amazing. She's wonderful. She's she's great. She is, she is loves me, cares for me, watches out for me, protects me. But when she says it, She means it. And that has to come from within you. The hardest thing about this discussion is if you gave me your child, I'd break that child in about two weeks. (laughs) It'd take me about two weeks. Because children are like wild animals. Okay, they sense it. Do you know how wild animals sense fear? Yeah,
1: they do. It's true.
0: You ever see the folks that are messing around with the orcas and the whales and all that stuff? It's like they're not afraid. The orcas know they're not afraid. That can smell. Every now and then they kill one. But they they can tell that they're not scared. And folks just walking around with the lion there. And the lion's like, oh, because they can sense the fear or not. In the same way, children can sense whether or not you're conflicted on the inside about somebody said, Where do I drop them off? <laughs> Not here. <laughs> <Whole new business. laughs> oh yeah, give me two weeks. I'd love to listen. I'd Aren't have a kid's really? boot camp. Are you kidding? You
1: would get a kick out of that.
0: Are you nuts? <laughs> the problem is that it wouldn't work because mm. they would be around me yeah. for two weeks and they would be like, oh no, I can't play with him. Yep. But with you, because you're conflicted on the inside with this struggle. You are dealing with guilt as a mom. You're probably working. You're very, very busy. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, it's just, I don't want to spend all of my time fussing. Listen, your job as a mother is to spend all of your time fussing until you don't have to spend all of your time fussing. It, that's your job. Who? You're, the job of being a mom is to spend all of your time fussing. That's the job. If your child is four, and they want to be around you all the time it's either they're an only child that's very possible or number 2 you just don't fuss enough <laughs> if you fuss enough your 7 year old child will be like oh my gosh i got to i got to get i, I got to I gotta get away from this lady because <laughs> you know one minute she's like oh how you doing what's that on your shoe what's that your shoes are on the wrong feet sit down Switch them shoes. Tie your laces. Are you chewing gum? Don't chew that gum in my house. It was just like, I got to get out of the, I got to get, because she wasn't trying to be my friend. She was trying to make sure that I was who I was supposed to be. But you're conflicted with it on the inside because you're listening to a bunch of people who ain't raised no babies, who don't have teenagers, who don't have adults that are successful, and you're, you're letting them tell you that you can't be mean to your child and your child can't be scared of you, and they are wrong. The, folk, the country was built by people who were afraid of their parents. And maybe they didn't have best friend relationships with their parents. It's okay. You've got time to fix it later. You can, you can fix it. I didn't like my mother that much when I was 16, but I love my mother now. We're great. You have time to fix it. But my mother made me this monster that I am. And so... Just know your job is to shape, your job is to fashion, your job is to, you, you are drill sergeant and flight attendant. You're both. And your job is to scoot down and be like, okay, we're going to tie our seat. Okay, let's put our seatbelt on, fasten our seatbelt. Here's your juice. <laughs> but it's also push your seat back. we about to land Tray tables in the upright lock position. Let's go. Give me your cups. We need you to put your seatbelt on. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's not about how you feel. And once you move that child to it, it's not their will, but your will be done. You're well on your way. And if you don't do that, you're, not gonna, you're setting them up for failure with their boss. You're setting them up for failure with their supervisor. You're setting them up for failure with their coach. You're setting them up for failure with their teacher. You're setting them up for failure with anybody bigger and stronger than them. You're setting them up for failure. The world's not a soft, nice, comfortable place in which everybody's gonna respect your feelings. It's just not the case. We can't remove all the concrete from every child. We gotta let them play on some concrete sometimes. Everything's not grass. And you have to learn how to function in a world and that's your job as their mother. And you need to stop being conflicted about it on the inside. And you you, you know, you need to get over it. On the, the, the real struggle is on the inside of yourself. And when you turn to that kid and say, you better go to bed, they know that if they're like, mama, but mommy, they know you're going to break. They feel it from the minute they're around you. They can smell it on you. And you have to make up in your mind that you mean business, that you're not there to be their friend. You're there to make them a healthy, functional person. I know it took a long time answering <laughs> that question, but anyway.
1: No worries. No, it was good. Good question, though. Yeah, sweet. So I have... <laughs> this question is very interesting, and I'm like, I can't wait to hear how you're going to respond to this. So this young woman says, I was recently dating my, quote, perfect guy, but he expressed early on that he has some dating anxiety. Dating anxiety. Dating anxiety due to him being divorced, having two kids, his ex-wife cheating on him and abusing him at only the age of 26. But I decided to work through it with him and it was going well. But then two months later, he just randomly broke up with me out of the blue. I'm very confused because he says it's because I'm not the one, the right one for him. But I really feel like God has put him on my heart. And I think I need to have another conversation with him to get clarity and maybe salvage things. But I don't know what to do.
0: Okay, that's Pretty such thick. that's such a thick-loaded question. <laughs> a thick loaded question. Loaded it's, it's, there's so I'm much like, in there. Oh
1: my gosh, as I know. Yeah. You no, know,
0: first of all, I think that, you know, one of the most challenging things for women is, you know, when you're and it's interesting because you and I talk about this quite a bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like you all—you fail to realize that it's a numbers game in a certain way. You know, it—you know—it's like you're you're so looking for the one that you haven't really, you haven't really dated enough to know this is the one. You, you know, you're deep. You hear somebody, this guy's story is compelling. Women can be healers to a certain extent and fixers, and guys are looking perfection. I've said that before that guys marry because you're perfect, because they like exactly what you are right now. Women can be a little bit deeper to a certain extent, in which they're, you know, if there's a little bit of a project, there's almost like a goal. And You know, even some of the the videos I've seen or some of the stuff that I've read that talks about how, you know, women have the the fantasy of women as vampires and pirates and monsters and beauty and the beast. It's like you're a monster, but for me, you're going to end up being a prince. Um, But I think that, you know, number one, God laying them on your heart and all of that is there's there's no... God laying them on your heart—that's not what that's it's about. What it's, there's, it. there's none of that. It's not God ain't laid nobody on your heart. You know, God don't lay nobody on nobody's heart necessarily <laughs> like that. I know that we, you know there was a bunch of faulty teaching about mm. God tells people who that's to be your, with. Yeah, and right. That's your wife. That's not yeah. true. None of that's none of that's valid. There's not even anything in the Bible about that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's just not a valid thing. Um, and so, you know, what's happened is that you're a human feeling person and you developed a connection with someone and it takes some time for you to break that connection. And if a dude has said to you, hey, you know what? I'm broken. If a guy said to me, I'm broken, then and if you are interested in a long relationship with someone and he says to you, I'm broken, then your response to him needs to be like, OK, well, go get fixed. Like, go get healed. Go talk to a therapist, go talk to your parents, dig down and figure out what's wrong with you, figure out what happened, how were you abused by a woman, how were you cheated on by a woman, what, what exactly is going on with you, why did you pick someone that would do that to you, why did you stay in that, clearly bro you've got some issues, If you're being abused by a woman, sorry, I hate to be that way. And I'm not talking about just physical abuse. I mean, any kind of abuse, because men have the power of choice. Women have the power of change. And so, guys, you you have choices. So why would you stay in an abuse situation? Sounds a little bit manipulative to me, but I, I can't say that. But if you're a guy, then if a man says to you, hey, guess what? I've been abused. I've been hurt. I've been abandoned. I've been cheated on. I've been, it sounds like he's setting you up for why he can't be with you in the long term. And what you need to do is say, well, bruh, I'm looking for something long-term. Now, if you're not, let's say that you're not, you're like, well, hey, I'm, I'm out here trying to be the best lawyer I can be, to be the best CEO I can be, be the best nurse I can be, be the best whatever I can be. And I don't know if I'm even ready for a full-time dude because that's a lot of work because a dude's a lot of work. And then, hey, dating a dude who may say that may not be a bad thing. But if you're looking for a long-term commitment, then you need to say to this dude, well, hey, tell you what, go get fixed, okay? You can't really fix a guy. Mm. You can't. It's not something you can do right? You don't want to fix a guy. Guys need to be fixed by guys. Mm. Okay. Guys need to be fixed by guys or their mamas or, you know, maybe they, but your job is not to fix him. You, you can pour into your son, but you do too much pouring into and mentoring and fixing your man, you're going to end up being his mother and he won't want to sleep with you. So we, you know, he needs to go get healed, go get set, go get fixed. Okay, find his peer group, get down to the bottom, sit down, talk to his therapist, to his counselor, get down to the bottom of what's going on with him. And then then he can say, oh, and then you can come back to me and holler at me if you want to. Um, but it, you know, your mistake was to get involved in something that, you know, was a mess from the begin with. And we, we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you had to learn from that. And uh, but if, you know, God's laid them on your heart, God's not laying them on your heart. You just have an attachment to him because you're an emotional person. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're a woman. You're supposed to have an emotional attachment. One of the things that's really dangerous is that we don't expect women to have emotional attachments anymore. Like women are being pressured to be like men. Men are the ones who are able to have physical interactions without emotional attachment. Men are the ones who are able to do that. Women are not supposed to be able to have a bunch of physical interactions without any emotional attachment. That's dangerous. And even guys, if you have too much physical interaction without any emotional connection, you can break your intimacy er, which is not a word, <laughs> but you can you can break your intimacy machine, and you will find yourself in unable to have real intimacy with anyone. Because all you do is see women as just physical conquests. Um, and so but definitely, unequivocally for women, one of the worst things that's happening today um, is that the reevaluation of gender roles is pressuring women to be something that they're not. Um, and you know, and I, I, I could talk about this all day, but you know it's kind of like the feministic movement. I understand the reason for it. Because in the battle, I've said it so many times, but I'll say it again. In the battle for equality, women decided to say that sameness and equality are are the same thing. The way to be equal is to say that we're the same. And so now women are saying, hey, you can do it, so can I. Anything a man can do, I can do. If a man can be a fireman, I can be a fireman. If a man can be a a soldier, I can be a soldier. If a man can be CEO, I can be CEO. Got you. I, I hear you. Um, there's two problems with it. Number one, sameness is not the key to equality. that's that fairness is the is the key to equality, not sameness. that's number one. Number two, you're creating a world that isn't real because there are things that women can do that men can't do. There's things that women can do that men can't do and it's a part of, the birth of even the argument and discussion today around what's a woman and who's a woman and what makes a woman, a woman is because and why now they're after your title. They're after the title woman it's birthing person now. (laughs) And a part of the reason why that is, is because women have so fought to say that they could do anything that men could do. Now, men want to say, well, we can do anything that women can do, but you can't. And there's a bunch of things that women can do that men can't do. And one of those things is com- connect emotionally. Woo! That's a superpower that women have, that men strive to have that, but we don't connect emotionally mm-hmm. the way that women connect emotionally. Okay? Women can do things men can't do. I mean, I'm sorry but we still have yet to figure out how to gestate life. We haven't gotten to that place in our technology. We don't even have the technology to keep a child alive that's born pre 20 weeks. If a child is premature, born at 20 weeks, the percentage, the chances of that child dying is extremely high. Even with all our technology, we can send signals around the world. We can send somebody to the moon We have yet to figure out how to gestate life. We can't do it without a woman. It's how amazingly complex and unique a woman's body is. It is so unique. I sat there and marveled at it. Anytime I've seen a woman pregnant, I'm just like, it's it's a marvel of life. It's the mystery of life. It's the miracle of life. The ability to adapt and change and to gestate a child. We don't have that technology. We don't have that ability. It's something men can't do. And so the idea of, oh, well, we're going to be equal by being the same creates a false narrative in which you start to battle for the things that make you unique. Um, And I think one of the things that makes women unique is that women are able to connect emotionally at a level that men are not. And you're going you're gonna to constantly be disappointed if you expect a man to be able to connect emotionally at the level that you can connect emotionally. It's not something men can do. They're not able to do it. And the stats prove it. It's just yeah. a fact. So, I think women have to and I know it's it's hard because you know like you people like you, you know, love to watch oh The Bachelor and Here love I to am. watch these shows, right? <laughs> In which some dude is is you know, he's sitting there with a woman and he's just tearing up and he's just like, you know, heather, when I breathe, the air smells like honey and the and your <laughs> and your eyes look like stars in the sky and I'm sitting there thinking these writers have wrote a speech oh for my this dude
1: there is not scripted
0: no it is absolutely it is scripted because <laughs> most dudes aren't that in touch with their inner woman Fine. it's just not it's just not the case yeah. no, I can write some poems I tell dudes all the time go to the card shop find a blank card then find a card that has a poem in it and plagiarize the poem (laughs) take the poem and write it on a blank card give it to your girl she will love you for days because most dudes aren't deep enough or connected enough to write a poem and to be effluvious with their it's just not something writers working overtime folks on the instagram live is agreeing with me <laughs> well, so weird. what i'm saying to you is that and i think i said this in season one, episode one that it's like <laughs> we episode. want men mm-hmm. to be sensitive enough okay to connect a fake boob to their body and you know bond with a baby you know they we, you're gonna take your shirt off and you're gonna lay this baby on your hairy chest to have a bond we want a guy skin to, to skin. be s- skin to skin with a baby <laughs> and still whoop somebody's uh wow. behind sorry we want, we want the we want a dude to be able to be sorry. that sensitive and then roll on you mm-hmm. and be like hey baby hey 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 mm-hmm. hey i got to get next to you without understanding that you've so feminized that dude that he's he's all he's a little bit trying to see do you like him and so just know that the stones that it takes to walk up to some chick cold is the same stones that can make you a little bit rude. And if we drive out all the rudeness, I get it. I get it. We're tired of men and their rudeness. But just understand the the rude dude is the dude who's going to be upset if somebody bumps into you. Period. Now you're sitting there saying, hey, you just let him bump into me. Hey, You didn't say nothing. And he's respecting... He's respecting that dude's space, but I mean, hey, I, 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 well, that guy, has he was walking, and you need to be careful where you go. Oh. <laughs> we have to respect everybody's walking into a space. Somebody like me is going to be like, bruh, watch where you're going. Yep. It, that could escalate, but we, we're going to drive that out of man because we don't want men to be that way, although those are the men that are going to fight for us. Those are the men that are going to protect the country. Those are the men who settled the country. It wasn't Jamba Juice workers. It was people who were hardened <laughs> hardened no joke serious killed animals men are <laughs> why we're even alive but we want oh everybody God. to be too sensitive to skin a rabbit oh and that's God. just not how <laughs> without somebody to to you won't have bacon <laughs> you won't have burgers uh, do you know who killed that cow a man cut that throat and blood everywhere and skin that rabbit <laughs> and that's how you have rabbit meat and, <laughs> and and you can't be like but the bunnies yeah the bunnies died <laughs> So we might live. And so what I'm saying is we have to be very, very careful about all of this. Yeah. I don't know how I got I was there. Say,
1: how did we get here? I'm not sure. Well. But is God. the answer, is the <laughs> Jamba Juice, rabbits, I'm sorry, rabbits. Sure. Um, But I, your answer is she should not be having this conversation with this guy.
0: No. I, I was outside and even... I saw bunnies hopping around. And I thought to myself, I should pick up a rock and throw it at that bunny.
1: What? Oh, my gosh. Don't say anything. Yes. What? That's what I was
0: thinking. I was like, I bet you I could kill that run, that rabbit with a rock. I thought that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that'll be great. Kill the rabbit, kill the rabbit. I was like, oh, I could, I could skin it. I could have rabbit. I could have rabbits too. I was thinking, oh my God, that'll be amazing. It's been a long time since I had rabbit. Yeah. And I was on the phone with somebody, some, some goddaughter or some girl who was like, oh, oh my God, you're gonna, stay. really? Are you about to kill this? The, uh, uh, please,
1: Pop, uh, let the rabbit go. Again, I don't know okay, how we're getting on. here, okay, but I'm let's sorry. just move okay. on. Peter the answer to this in. girls, not do not do not talk to this guy. No, Again, you can't call that don't guy. Don't call that guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, Stubzy, I think that's what his name is on Instagram, wants to ask a question that regarding your intro for this episode today. Um, and he asks... Or she, I don't, Yeah, he, sorry. Do you think success is primarily defined by discipline, um, process, slash steps, or is it a combination of both?
0: I think that it's a combination of both. I mean, I think that it don't matter how many steps you want to take. You don't have the skill and the quickness and the jumping and the speed to play in the NBA. I mean, you can be as hardworking as you want to. I think it's a combination of gifting and discipline is a part of what it takes to actually get to success. I I think that if you think it's just talent and just ability, you're going to be disappointed. But if you think it's just discipline, you're going to be disappointed. There is something to say about a certain amount of gifting and a certain amount of talent, certain amount of opportunities, certain amount of the right team around you, both of those things are a factor. We, we've seen plenty of people that had all the talent in the world and just didn't have the skills, just didn't have the work ethic, to actually be successful. And we can look at those people and be like, wow, it's just a shame because mm-hmm. they had the talent, they yeah. had this, but they they weren't hardworking enough. Right. They weren't disciplined enough. They weren't consistent enough, you know? So we have to be careful not to just poo-poo somebody's success mm-hmm. because we don't know the work that it required for them to get to that place. I, I often talk about Steph Curry when I talk about this right here because, oh, he's the greatest shooter in the world. He's the greatest shooter to ever live. There's definitely a certain amount of just touch and talent that goes into that. But people don't know how much Steph Curry can squat. People don't know Steph Curry's story about how his ankles couldn't handle it and he spent a summer relearning how to move and moved all of his movement from his ankles to his hips because his hips were stronger enough to take the cutting. His career was in jeopardy over his ankles. They just couldn't stand it. Even now, if you look down at the bottom of him, you'll see his this stuff all around his shoes. Mm-hmm. And so, People take for granted the work that he, even if you look at his body when he was two years into the league and look at him now, he's a whole totally different kind of a squat muscular person and that's discipline and that's work. And there are people who don't have the work ethic to be successful. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's absolutely possible to have tons of desire mm. and tons of work ethic and just not necessarily have the goods to get to a certain level. And I think everybody has to learn how to be uh, satisfied with the level that their skill or talent can bring them and not necessarily compare themselves to other people. And I mean, I have to, I have to do that. Right. I have to do that. You know, there's a guy who in my estimation is the greatest the greatest communicator of all time is alive right now. Who? Bishop, listen, T.D. Jakes Period. is the greatest. He is the GOAT. Yeah, he is. He is the greatest pulpit communicator of all time because not only he can he absolutely inspire you, but he can totally, completely instruct you. Yeah. And if you're a Christian, you're into speakers or if you're if you're you not, know, everybody watching this isn't a christian but if you are it right now you do yourself a favor and find yourself in a room with him it's like when michael jordan was playing it's like steph curry playing it's like when tiger was you want know, don't miss this opportunity to go see michael jordan play mm-hmm. you are living in a time in which the greatest communicator of all time is still in his prime and still walking around on stages and you owe yourself spend the thousand dollars go somewhere, get in a room and just sit there and drink, pay attention and be impacted for an hour and a half, two hours by the greatest communicator of all time. I mean, I, when I go to his stuff and I, I, when I sit there and listen to him, I just have to be like, yeah, that's just a whole, it's a whole nother level. It's It's a whole nother level. And I think that, You know, you can work hard and you have to rise to the level of which you can rise and you put all your work in. Some people are afraid to put all of their work in. Some people are very hard. It's very difficult for them to go all in with their effort because they're afraid if they go all in and they don't succeed, then they're going to be disappointed Mm -hmm. at what level they reached. They almost would rather throw off on the fact of, well, I didn't try all that hard. Yep. You know, I could say, well, I'm listen, I'm I'm clearly I'm never going to be T.D. Jakes. I could say that. Well, so I'm not going to give it all to God. I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to study as hard as I can. I'm not going to do everything. I, I have to be willing to give it everything. I have give all of my effort, all of my heart, try as best I can and be satisfied with the level at which my talent brings me and my gifts brings me. And I can't compare myself to anyone else. I have to compare myself to how my gifts are and what I am doing and who I am and be satisfied with the fact that I reached my my level. Yeah. Um, and that's based on my talent and it's based on my discipline. The combination of both together yeah. will make me successful.
1: No, that's, that's fire. I needed to hear that. That was so good. Um, so let's take a little pause from the questions being asked and i actually have something that happened in um in a, like a current event that happened recently that i'd love your perspective on okay um so we're all aware of the level of gun violence in america right now and yesterday evening um there was another mass shooting um, at a grocery store in oregon with a suspect using literally an ar-15 rifle not not a handgun like a rifle, um, And so, you know, we know you're a hunter. We know you own guns. Um, So what do you think needs to be done about this this issue of gun violence in America right now? What's your perspective on that?
0: I mean, I think that, first of all, I think there's a ditch on either side of the road. There always is. I'm always trying to talk about Hmm. finding the balance and trying to get back on the road. And I think that most accidents are caused by overcorrection in one way or the other. And so I think that we, we have a tendency to wanna to be all the way liberal or all the way to the far right without really finding the balance of this issue. Um, so let me just try to, I, I see it from both sides because I wanna find the balance. Um, I know that we love to talk about the constitutional right to bear arms, and I, I completely understand that I do have weapons. Um, I don't know if the founding fathers in, intended for someone to have the ability to shoot 50 people in three minutes I don't know in their right to bear arms this wasn't this wasn't a possible at the time and so I think that we have to and I, I find this in my role as a communicator of course this is beyond the pulpit but I find, and and my role as a, a communicator of the gospel in my other in my uh, in my main life, that my job is to find the eternal truth in the in the in the passage and not just the current generational cultural expression of that truth. I'm looking at an, at an ancient text. We have a tendency to filter that ancient text through our current cultural generational lens, and now we want to apply that. And I think we have to be bigger than that. In the same way, I think we can look at the Constitution as an ancient text, and now we have to be able to reevaluate that ancient text through the lens of our technological advance, okay? And so I, I definitely think there's something to be said for that, and I think people need to be realistic and, and, and honest about that kind of conversation. At the same time, we have a mental illness issue Mm. in the country right now. Yeah. We just do. And I think that we've got to do more to address the issue of mental illness in this country. It's got to be something that we think about seriously and not just think about in terms of profit or... We have a tendency in America to value everything based on money. And so there's more to life than money. And there's more to life than just measuring something by money, whether or not it's affordable or what it costs. I don't know how many school shootings we have to have right. before and i quite honestly i'm sorry but the school shootings in in particular i think there's i i think there's a pretty easy answer to that and it's not it's not necessarily that you got to take everybody's guns away hmm. that's not it i mean you just i mean you could take you could take veterans you could take <laughs> there's all kinds of guys that have done army it's, this it does it doesn't take a whole lot to put armed people at schools
1: right
0: right <laughs> it just it just doesn't take that much hmm. just doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't you got a principal at the school you got a dean at the school you got teachers at the school you got the janitor at the school you got the gym yeah guy at the why can't you have the two guys that are there who are retired army veterans whose job it is to guard this school. How you doing, Mr. Doug? Hey, how y'all doing? He's sitting right there with his AR. He's, got, he's right he's there got with his AR. weapon. He's right there ready. Oh, no. It's not, it's not yeah, that I difficult of an answer. I'm going, right. well, and then somebody's going to be like, well, they're not kids. will see guns. Yep. Kids will see guns. They sure will. <laughs> and a six-year-old will go to school and feel safe. Right. And say, thank you, Mr. Doug. Because what would I rather him see Mr. Doug, Sergeant Bob is there to protect me versus somebody breaking in and shooting up a school. It's very, very easy. It's a, it's an easy deterrent. And we won't have to deal with little four-year-old kids and little fourth graders getting shot. It's just not something that's going to happen. But I do think that we have a serious mental health issue in this country and we're not addressing it. When I was a kid growing up, Crazy people weren't just allowed to just walk the streets.
1: Just, yeah. just
0: just just wasn't something that was allowable. Right. Just wasn't. Somebody was crazy. Then they were put somewhere. Yeah. They were handled. They were dealt with. We gotta figure it out. We got to medicate. We gotta we gotta get down to the bottom of what's going on with mental illness with people. Um, but I also think that there's a bigger issue that has to do with identity and it has to do with Discipline, it has to do with um, Langston Hughes, what happens to a dream deferred. And I think that there are things that we are telling people that aren't true. Hmm. And it creates within them a dream that sags like a heavy load or explodes wow so if from four someone was telling you you are special you're the only one you're the only one like you there's no another in the whole wide world that could do the things that you or you are special special everyone is special everyone in his or her own way Sesame
1: Street Barney oh dang Missed special it. right so I was like how do I know this what Barney. happens
0: when you find out that you're <laughs> not yeah. that special special I hear you. I'm following you. Mm-hmm. that you there's you don't have something that only you can do that other people can't do because mm-hmm. you're working at burger king there's a whole lot of people that can flip burgers and no one's coming to you and saying oh my god the way you work fries <laughs> <laughs> my god Woo! i have never seen anyone stack shoes f Footlocker like you. Barney was right. (laughs) You really are special. You know, you end up finding out that you're not that special. Mm. And I have to come to grips with the reality that I'm not that special. And no matter how special I think I am, I end up having to come to grips with somebody who's more special than me. Mm -hmm. So, when we tell somebody they're unique and tell somebody there's nobody like them and we tell somebody that they're super special and then they wake up to the reality that maybe they're not that special. Now they got to figure out something to do to be special. Because hmm. they were told that they were special and they have to be special. Oh my God, I'm not special. How can I be special? I'm going to, okay, well, I'm going to do something to be noticed. I'm gonna be do something. I'm gonna do something to stand out. I'm gonna do something crazy. I'm gonna do something different because I'm starting to look like I'm one of the masses. And we have to do a better job. In our, again, it's a ditch on either side of the road, right? We go from you're a part of the masses. You're a part of a culture. You're a part of a family. No one cares about your feelings. No one cares about your identity. Nobody cares about what you care about. You're in this, we go from that, and I, there's dangers to that, to this whole other extreme of every individual person's individual feelings matter. And the the rights and feelings of the individual have got to be b- balanced over the greater good of society. It's not either one, it's both. We have to find a society in an empirical mindset in which we do understand what it takes for us to be united as a country for us to be united as a country there have got to be some norms that we say are apropos for us to be humans for us to be for us to have families for us to survive we have to be able to define well what is a man well what is a woman well what is a marriage well what is a business well what is winning without Totally stepping on the rights of every individual to say, well, winning to me is Mm -hmm. sitting in the bed and eating Cheerios. (laughs) That's what it means to me. And how dare you stand against my rights as an individual to eat Cheerios every day. That's how I win. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing like my Honey Nut Cheerios. That's how I win. Like, Like, I mean, I got you. But... There's got to be a societal mm-hmm. group that comes in and says, okay, but sitting around eating Honey Nut Cheerios <laughs> all day means you're a loser.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another one where, how do we get from, you know, that to Cheerios, but.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, no. I love a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. I mean, they're
1: really good.
0: But that doesn't make you win. Exactly. That might be winning to you, but that's not winning to the to society. Yeah. But what we want to do is in our determination to validate the feelings of every individual person, we're going to take away all of any measurable, and that's dangerous.
1: Yeah. All right, so uh, I'm kind of liking this, you know, current events little okay, section. I'd you l- want to do another one? Sure. Uh, let's I'd do like do kind another. of a pop culture ish one so okay. um so you know i'm a i'm a big fan of big brother um i watch big brother for those who are listening big brother is a competition show where people win power when you know uh in the game and people are nominated and voted out every week um the last person standing wins a certain amount of money so people go home every week um and there this season there was there is a black house guest a black player named Taylor Hale. She's a dark skinned woman, Um, very successful, very seemingly. I mean, she won Miss Congeniality, um, Miss. She was Miss Michigan 2021. But for some reason, since the beginning of the game, she was ostracized, targeted by certain players due to microaggressions being spread around for simply just existing. I mean, I've watched I watched the show just being herself, and so that led to bullying, constantly trying to get her voted out from week one. So from your perspective, because it's been interesting you know, for viewers watching her deal with you know, these microaggressions as a person of color, and so from your perspective, just, it's a great picture of you know, our society and where we're at with internalized racism, and so how do we deal, people of color deal with that um, and should that should they even be giving them the time of day to say hey like, you know to uh, I guess address it or, you know what I mean, so kind of where where's your head at with that?
0: I mean I think that you know we have we have American problems that they don't have in other parts of the world, mm. um, and I think that we have to we have to give ourselves a grain of salt. We have to judge all of this with a grain of salt. We have to you know we have to give honor where honor is due and give blame where blame is due. And I think sometimes we're, we're really, we can be really hard on ourselves. And I know this is coming from me as an African-American person. It's like, you know, we have to, we have to understand that what we're trying to do in America is pretty unique. Uh, most people are living in a country where everybody is what they are. Most people in China are Chinese. Most people in Japan, in Japan are Japanese. Most people in South Korea are South Korean. Most people in Ghana are Ghanaian. Most people in Nigeria are Nigerian. Um, so, you know, in America, we've got this whole mix of all of these different races and where we can point to racism, we can point to um, prejudice, and we can be very, we can easily admit that America was founded as a racist nation, absolutely as racist as any nation, as racist as Nazi Germany. From our birth, we were a racist nation, um, and so um, from the founding of the country, just African Americans brought here were brought here totally as cattle, and so the birth of America. And the birth of the introduction of African-Americans into the country was from a position of total inequality, was us being property. Um, And so I think the impact that that's had on the opinion of African-Americans is deep. It's long, it's far, it's wide. And you know you're right now if you're watching this on instagram live or you know on this youtube live show beyond the pulpit you're looking at somebody right now that was a part of desegregation in the schools right. okay because i went to the first grade in 1974. Mm-hmm. i was born in 68 and so you know i i was bused to an all-white school as a part of desegregation so yeah uh, just us being that segregated as a nation okay is i mean i i talked about this piece of property that my great grandfather purchased in 1902 he was the son of slaves okay it's quite amazing for him but this is my this is not my great 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 grandfather this is my great grandfather yeah. this is just two generations not that long ago not yeah. that long ago i was born in 68 the civil rights Act was signed into law in the, in the mid to late 60s. I'm, within my lifetime, uh, equality, and it's still something that we are growing towards. We have not yet reached the mountaintop. What Dr. King talked about, we're still not quite there. And I think that we have to understand that. I think uh, one of the things that's amazing about your generation is that you have an expectation of equality. My generation does not. My father's generation was taught to tolerate diversity. Okay, boomers were taught to tolerate it. Try to understand it and tolerate it. Every now and then some boomer will say the N word to this day, it's just the way they see the world. It's, you can barely blame them. They were raised in segregation. They didn't go to school. Neither of the presidential candidates, neither Biden nor Trump, went to school with black people. Mm. So by the time they graduated from high school, anybody born in the 40s went to school with just white people. Wow. So we have to realize that they didn't grow up friends. This is not how it was. As, As tolerant as they may try to sound, the fact of the matter is that they were born into a segregated America. They were raised in a segregated America. By the time their personality was set, the, it, at that time, America was segregated. By the time they graduated from high school, America was segregated. It mm-hmm. was no, oh, no, yeah, I had a black friend I was in boarding school with. No, not for Biden, not for Trump. So, you know, we have to realize that the, the people that are still running the country were, were born in a, in a segregated America. And much of those notions are still there. And we just, we still have time. It's going to take more time. Boomers were taught to be tolerant of it. My generation was taught to understand diversity, which is why I have such an understanding of it. Okay, Millennials were taught to expect diversity, and the Z generation is expected to celebrate diversity. Um, and so the country is slowly changing and evolving. Um, for me... Uh, I just think that it's a sign of whatever's happening on Big Brother is a sign of the fact that we still have more a, a farther way to go. Yeah. I also think that there's another factor in it that you as an African-American woman and any African-American woman that's watching this needs to take a cue from, and I think this is one way in which the African-American community can be significantly challenged by the LBGTQ community is because they are on point when it comes to how they're depicted in the media. Mm-hmm. And I think that a part of what your girl is dealing with is she's dealing with the way that African-American women are depicted in the media.
1: Absolutely. Because the microaggressions are she's aggressive. She's going to flip out. We just need to get her out early. And she's literally the sweetest human. So there's
0: been quite a bit of money that has been made Mm -hmm. by African-American women being depicted as mad and angry. Now, we can make an argument as to which affects which. Is it art copying real life, or is real life imitating art? We can make an argument for both, but I think that, in no uncertain terms, um, you know, I think art definitely is a. At this point, media is so powerful that it definitely allows for people to feel free to express themselves in a way that they see depicted in the media. So if black women are depicted in the media as angry and violent and vengeful and manipulative, and then it creates a world in which women who watch that show feel like, yeah, that behavior must be okay because it's depicted so clearly in the media and i think has a way of perpetuating and i i don't think there's any argument about that whatsoever i think african-american women are more aggressive than ever i think they're more physically violent than ever um i think they're more bruh than ever there's there's definitely a masculinization of women but certainly a masculinization of african-american women but without a doubt um in their talk, in their language, in their... When I was a young guy coming up, no no girl was like, what's up, bruh? It just wasn't... Bro, bro, it just wasn't something that with girls did Girls didn't... Swear. I mean, a girl might swear and cuss you out if she was angry. You know, like mad. A girl might cuss you out. But I've seen videos of guys, you know... Getting down on their knees to ask girls to marry them. I've seen engagement videos where the girls are cussing. Like, get the F out of here, bro. Get the uh, button number!" And I'm just kind of like, if if I got down on my knees and asked a girl to marry me and she was like, get the F out of here, I'd be like, Okay. I think I would get the F out of there because I, it's just for me, it's kind of like, I think black women, I think women have to, again, this is the pressure for women to be like men in this chase for equality. And I think that women are being manipulated into being something that's less than what they're supposed to be. Mm. And I think there was something to be said. For expecting women to have a certain amount of class and a certain amount of control and a certain amount of, yeah. of strength and yeah. a certain amount of depth. Mm-hmm. And for women to just be straight fighting in a McDonald's.
1: Right. Is yeah.
0: you know, it's exactly. I it was it's almost the kind of thing that we're like, well, hey, dudes are dudes are out of control. You know what I'm saying? It was almost something that we and I know, I guess feminists or whoever can look at it as, well, that's not fair, but like, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, I I think it's a mistake to lower the standard for behavior for women. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's, I think we need to hold us a, a higher standard for men mm-hmm. and not decide that it's got to be fair. Well, if guys can have a fight in a McDonald's parking lot, why can't women? Well, we held women to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. And it's disappointing to me that we've decided to lower it. Yeah. And I think a part of the reason why we're lowering it is because media is making it seem like it's okay, because that sells. hmm that's what sells. Yeah. Um, and I think that African-American women in particular are being depicted in an extremely negative way and I think that it is having an impact on the way that African-American women are being seen mm. and I think it's having an impact on the way that African-American women think it's okay for them to behave. Mm. Yeah. So now, right now, it's like the the highest divorce rates, No one gets no one gets divorced like African-American women. They have the highest numbers okay no one's as single as african-american women nobody
1: hmm.
0: no one so yeah the, the the percentage numbers are so high they're so staggeringly high what are we trying to act like african-american women are just that much worse than every other woman they're that much different from every other woman no they're not mm-hmm. no they're not it's just that they're depicted in extremely negative way yeah. and what's more is since they're depicted in a very extremely negative way it is perpetuating an idea that it's okay for them all to behave in a negative way mm. and now it's a self-fulfilling thing in yeah. which now their behavior is of such right that you're just kind of like women are just yeah. popping off and angry and i saw a tiktok video where you know a woman was she she broke the guy's windows or something he's like i i was talking to you for which i was trying to surprise you it's like oh wow. i'm sorry bro my bad it's like no you know, mm-hmm. there was a time when it was like this kind of behavior from a woman was not mm-hmm. allowable. Yeah. Um and it's just there is a serious masculinization of the behavior of women that's unacceptable to me. And it's very unacceptable for to me as an older man within the African American culture. I think it drives us farther apart. I think it makes our relationships more difficult to have and maintain. Mm-hmm. Um I think real men don't want to be in a relationship with a woman that's like a dude. I don't think real guys want to have a conversation with a woman who talks like a man. Mm. Um and I don't I don't think that it's going to lead to long lasting mm-hmm. serious no joke relationships. Yeah. I really don't. And the statistics bear that out.
1: Yeah. Well the good thing just to wrap wrap that, you know, up is you know, update on on our Taylor Hale is that she actually is she has 45% of the votes for E News's best TV personality, best reality TV personality. So the great thing is she's, you know, she we do have a a, you know, dark-skinned black woman who is actually showing that the other side of what, you know, should be shown. I mean, the house guests are now talking about how graceful she is. She's going and comforting the people who were bullying her at the beginning of the game she now has a little a little guy that likes her who's who's attracted. you know she's got sure. a romance going on the show and so sure. it's you know it's it's one of those things where it's like it's great that you know it the the issue at the beginning of you know what we were talking about of this of how she was being talked about has now turned and been able you know to open the door for her to show that hey I'm so you know? glad
0: we're able to have this conversation because I think yeah. it's a good thing to have. Although, you know, I I'm sorry, but I think I've never seen the show. Yeah. But I feel like <laughs> a show like Big Brother is contrived, and I think that this kind of thing is. I think it's not, but uh, whatever. Yeah, I just think no, 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 that no. this it's
1: because CBS is getting like flamed in the media. Sure. So it's, sure. And it's and, and really, as a result, it's of it, really
0: bad. You know that they're on CBS exactly. There's almost no. Bad publicity. Right, right now, right. it's like you're. T- we're talking about Big B- Brother and the fact that this happened mm-hmm. made Big Brother get a level of attention. This show's been on forever. Yeah. And maybe people were just starting to be like, oh yeah, it's another episode of Big Brother. It's another season of Big Brother. And the fact that you got a sweet brown-skinned woman on there and everybody's treating her... For no reason, microaggressions and just talking bad about her and got issues with her. And now oh, but now <laughs> it's all better. Now <laughs> somebody who, you know, eats Cheerios is interested it's in her. Cheerios. It's so ridiculous. So I mean I I mean I'm no, glad. I, I, I think just, it's a good discussion.
1: Just, yeah, yeah. But
0: you know, I think that the no, writers yeah. of these shows and it's they know right, it's just,
1: and Well, yeah. They know
0: what people wanna no, I, do. I they know saying. what people wanna watch. They know what, they know what yep. sells. They know yeah. what gets a certain amount of attention.
1: Well, yeah. And ending, ending on that, on that note, you know, we've, this has been good. Had some interesting questions. This was, listen, hopefully this was like, you know, we wanted to bring some, some different kind of questions. This, this episode, so this was a, this it.
0: was a no joke killer serious. <laughs> uh, oh, you want one more? You got one more question. Oh, Do we
1: have one more? Oh my! Our producer is telling us we have one yeah, more. Yeah, because it's eight
0: twenty-three. Let's yeah, let's, we have a little time. We ninety minutes. Okay, so let's. What's our my last what's our seven minutes?
1: No, no, NFL. Oh, the NFL question. Yes, we did have a, an NFL question, okay. which I think would be fun for you to for you to ask. All right, great. All right, so where to go? Oh, sorry guys. Oh, sorry. Okay, so the NFL starting up. Sorry, I don't do sports. <laughs> the NFL starting up. What are your initial thoughts about the season as we head into this preseason play? And who's your favorite to win for this year?
0: First of all, I love the NFL. <laughs> it's my favorite sport by far. You know, I mean, I played football in high school. Not I play- basketball? I played basketball and football.
1: But like your favorite sport is football? By far. Wow.
0: No, n- hands down. OK. I mean, really, the only thing I really watched in the NBA is the playoffs. I very rarely watch a regular season game. And there's so many games in the NBA, 82 games or whatever. It barely, it barely matters because you got 16-game, 17-game season in NFL. Every single solitary game matters, <laughs> okay? I love the NFL. It's my favorite sport by far. When the NFL season has got the NFL – gives meaning to everything. It's like even my Sundays are just better and brighter. And I mean, you almost
1: like threw the TV away when you couldn't record all the NFL games. Oh,
0: listen. I The NFL (laughs) is... I like the NFL so much, I like to watch teams that aren't even my teams. I just want to watch the Chargers play. I want to see, you know, I want to see the Green Bay Packers. I want to see how Denver is going to be with Russell Wilson. I just want to see... I love the NFL. I love the intrigue. I, I just love it. It's amazing. It's it's great. Um, you know, I'm a. I was born in Philly, but raised in Boston, and so the fact that I got a chance to see the Patriots have a dynasty was amazing to me. There was a time in my lifetime when the when the Patriots were a horrible team, um, and so the fact that I got lived, who would have ever thought that I lived to see the day when somebody would be like, I'm tired of the Patriots winning, you know? So. At this point right now, if the Patriots ever win again, I, I don't think the Patriots are going to win for a while. But that's okay because I was alive when they were winning and they were really great. I'll always kind of cheer for them, but I won't be that disappointed if they don't win again because I was alive when they won a bunch of Super Bowls and that's amazing. I never thought that that would happen. Um, so who do I cheer for? Yeah. Um, who do you want
1: to win it all? Who
0: do I want to win it all? I think that, you know, for me, I I was a Patriots fan and a Brady fan, and I think that I still am a Brady fan. Um, and and I, not just because of his connection to the Patriots, but even just you want to talk about somebody that's the ultimate connection of what we were talking about, the ultimate picture of gifting and discipline is Tom Brady. And even as he's getting older, you know his uh, his ability to determination to to maintain his uh, his abilities. I'm always going to cheer for Tom Brady. I am. Um, uh, at the same time, you know, so I cheer for the Patriots. I cheer for Tampa Bay because I cheer for Tom Brady. Um, uh, and I'm also interested in Denver. You know, I want to see what Russell Wilson is going to do for. The, the Broncos, and I'm interested in that team. And Our I producer see is go. shaking his He's fist. He's over there He's shaking his fist. You know, um, so who do I think is going to win it all? Well, who, do you, who do you
1: who do you want? Not think, but I mean.
0: Who would I like to see win? Who would you
1: like win? to
0: see win? You know, this NFL season is going to be so amazing. I don't even really do know. don't even care. I really don't know. I'm i just really down, I, just down <laughs> to watch I. I'll yeah. be really happy to see who wins it all. Yeah. I, I really will. I think that, you know, I wanted Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl without Belichick, and he did that. So I'm good at this point. If Tampa Bay wins again, I mean, I guess it'll be okay, but I don't care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, there isn't anybody right now that I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to see them win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't, there isn't anyone. Mm-hmm. Um I I really don't I really don't care. She so just
1: loves football so much. I you just love football so much. I can tell you who I <laughs> think's gonna win it <laughs> okay, all. Okay, yeah, that's, that's good.
0: I I really I mean listen I I really do think that I think the Buffalo Bills. I think if everybody stays healthy, I think the Buffalo Bills really. I think they I think they just have a little bit of all of it. Hmm. Um.
1: Is Buffalo, New York? Yeah. Okay, Sub got State it. State New York, yes. Buffalo Bills. I, like, I, I really do think
0: is. I I I would be surprised if they don't come out of the AFC. I really will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that um, I think the NF the NFC is going to be just a total toss up. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers came out of the AFC. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, and I I. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Rams got back. Hmm. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went back-to-back. It's very, very hard to go back-to-back, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I I also think that it's it's the Raiders could be good. There's just so many teams that really could be good this year. It's going to be an awesome, awesome season. I'm really excited about it. Nice. And I'm gonna record every game I can and watch every game I can.
1: So happy for and you. And enjoy
0: my life. <laughs> enjoy your life. It is the best. Sport I think by that far. that
1: was the be- that was the best question for us to end on. I think actually. No doubt. You're just so smiley right now. Oh my
0: gosh, I love the <laughs> NFL. Oh, It's just so good. Perfect. It's so good. I I watch teams that aren't even good. I don't care. <laughs>
1: That's like Bachelor for me. It is. It's true. I watch Bachelors leads that I do not. I don't. I actually dislike them, and I'm like. I will absolutely watch every episode. It doesn't matter. All right. Well, well, this has
0: been another episode <laughs> of. This was fun. This was season t- uh, one, episode two of Beyond the Pulpit. We'll be back here again next, next Monday night, 7 p.m. And uh, feel free to send in your questions. And uh, see you next time. See
1: you next time. Bye, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to Beyond the Pulpit with Andy Thompson. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to follow Andy Thompson on all social media platforms. If you would like to support this podcast, head over to
1: www.pastorandy.com slash podcast for more information on how to donate
0: and stay connected with Andy Thompson.